Welcome to the Stage Break Podcast, the weekly show that follows the NASCAR Cup Series and gives you the info you need before heading into the race weekend. Let's get this show going and talk some racing. Episode number five is underway. My name is Josh, and I'd like to welcome you back to the stage break. If you're listening to the NASCAR scanner and a driver says that the car's too loose, or the crew chief says he's put around in the right rear, would you know what they're talking about? And we'll be talking about Martinsville this weekend with this new low downforce package. What kind of racing do you think we'll see? Those are the kinds of things that we'll be covering in today's episode. If this is your first time listening uh, to the Stage Break Podcast, thank you so much for dropping by, and I hope it's something that you enjoy. hope it's worth your time here as we listen uh, together and talk some racing. So, Bristol Dirt, what did you think about last week's race? I really enjoyed it. It's something that's different. Uh, It's got the challenge to... Uh, you know, a dirt track, it, something that I noticed while watching the race, it's really seemed to be really easy to lose positions just from like a little mistake, but then it's really hard to recover from that. It, it seemed like the best way to go would be to kind of just get into a really good spot and then maintain it and kind of wait for someone in front of you to slip up and so, but at the same time, there were these packs of cars of, you know, three to five, sometimes six cars that were all stacked up, racing with each other, two, three, sometimes four wide coming out of these turns. So I just thought that that was really entertaining, a lot of fun to watch. And uh, obviously, it's just something different. The only dirt uh, race on the schedule this season for the cup cars. Just thought it was a really really good race and just had a lot of fun watching it and congratulations to Christopher Bell and uh, Joe Gibbs Racing on their win. It just looked like he had the best consistency. Uh was able to get the lead and then to maintain it. He didn't have to uh kind of, you know, uh recover from a mistake and it looked like he, you know, maybe from his own admission I think, you know, just said that he made some mistakes. He got up into the wall with his right rear a little bit, but that's just because that's where the line was, and they had to flirt with the wall so much. So uh, you saw some damage to that right rear, but nothing crazy. He, he didn't do anything that really killed his momentum, and that was something that uh, guys had to watch out for, make sure they didn't smack the wall or lose the nose to where they'd have to kind of get out of the gas to keep the car out of the wall, uh, which in turn, a lot of, for some drivers, led to losing tons of positions. So he didn't do that. I, I believe he only stopped at the stage one break, uh, came and got tires and fuel then, and from that point, he could make it to the end of the race on fuel. It was just whether or not tires played a big role, and it didn't seem like they did. So ultimately, just great execution on, uh, on, on Christopher Bell's part, just because the pit crew didn't have a huge role in, uh, in this race. Uh, I, I think it was the same across the board too. They they did they had the non-competitive stops that appeared, uh, from the best I could tell, um, from from what I'm remembering. So, 
they uh, it wasn't like they had to pump out a 10 second or you know sub 10 second stop in order to get the track position. It was really more on the driver to execute, and uh, and he did that. So, congrats to them. And uh, I think you know it'd be good to see this dirt race come back. I did notice that there was a lot of empty seats in the stands, and you know part of that could be just uh, you know holiday, uh, you know on Easter Day, um, Easter Sunday, and uh, uh, there's there's I'm sure a lot of factors to that. Uh, but I don't think that that is indicative of the fact that we need to remove this race, maybe switch it up a little bit or change some nuances to the scheduling, but uh, definitely enjoy the dirt race. So looking forward to seeing that again, looking ahead to this weekend, they're going to be at Martinsville for the NOCO 400, the half mile paperclip as, uh, as you hear people talk about it. Typically it's a bottom line dominant track meaning that uh, it's not like it has more than one groove. It's typically the bottom, uh, unless maybe tire strategies is playing a role and you've got someone on fresh tires and then someone on old tires. Uh, I think the, the drivers are going to go to the bottom, and it's just a matter of do you have the tires to be able to go around them on the outside or do you shove them out of the way? And as you know, just typical short track racing, uh, I think that's, I don't know that we're really going to see anything too crazy different from uh, this race to previous races. However, the the variable which seemed to have been effective from the driver's standpoint as well as NASCAR's standpoint is this low downforce package that they have on short tracks. So I think lap times are going to be pretty similar because once you get down below a certain speed, aerodynamics aren't really playing a huge factor. So in the turns, I don't think the low downforce package is a, is a big deal. Coming out of the turns and getting into the turns is probably where you'll see it more. Uh, and so ultimately, I think it's just lap times are probably going to be pretty similar to other years. But I think you'll see increased tire fall off. It's just because the track is so flat and uh, the turns are pretty sharp and you come out of that turn so quick, you want to be able to get back to the throttle. Uh, at least these drivers do. And uh, But the thing is, if you have a car that's um, loose on exit or uh, you just get a little bit too anxious, you can really get to the throttle too quick and, uh, and potentially uh, break those rear tires free from the traction and, and potentially spin. Um, or at least you know, have to lift uh, out of the throttle to where uh, you're, you're losing time. So that's that's going to be the battle. But I think that's the typical battle of Martinsville is is uh, having a car that'll wrap uh, the corner a bit, uh, be able to get that really, you know, come, come down to that little edge, the red and white, not berm, but like curb, basically, the red and white curb and wrap that all the way around, uh, carry the momentum through the turns and uh, a car that's uh, balanced really well to be able to get back to the throttle. I think that's what's going to um, what it's going to take to win this race. And with the, the low downforce package, the tire wear, um, it, it seemed from some of the comments that I heard from some of the drivers that it's p putting some of the racing back into the driver's hands because they kind of have to pick and choose when they use their tires uh, because the, they don't have the downforce uh, that they used to. So the tires are taking more of a load and are wearing out quicker. So they have to maintain those a little bit more and it, and it creates some strategy on the driver's part more so than on the crew chief's part with the adjustments that they make or whether or not they pit. 
So um, I, I think that's a good thing uh, for the you know for just the entertainment factor, and it's a good thing for the drivers to be able to have more options, and not drivers, but race teams, to have more options at their disposal for what they want to do and and how they want to get the track position that they need. So looking forward to the race. I think it's going to be great. It's a short track. Uh, and, and short track racing is always fun and uh, interesting to watch. You always get a lot of chaos, and I don't think that Martinsville is going to disappoint in the very least. Would you like more from the stage break? Then be sure to check us out on Instagram. You'll find additional content posted throughout the week and on race day. Get show sneak peeks, make your prediction for who will win the race, participate in questions and answers for the show, enter giveaways, and more. Check it out today at the Stage Break Podcast. Again, that's on Instagram at the Stage Break Podcast. Now, back to the show. Well, like I mentioned last week, uh, I kind of hinted when I was talking about NASCAR Scanner that if you listen to that, there's going to be some things that you hear, uh, terminology, racing terminology, that maybe you're not familiar with. And if you're not, it may make it difficult to truly appreciate what all is going on between the driver and the spotter and the crew chief. One note, if you did listen to last week's episode, uh, I mentioned in there that you got to pay $4.99 a month to gain access to Scanner. I have since found out that is not correct. You can actually get NASCAR Scanner for free if you look it up on NASCAR.com from like a laptop or a computer. Uh, all you need to do is create a NASCAR account, which is free, and uh, you've got access to each and every channel. The paid part is when you take it from your computer to your phone. So if you want to if you want to utilize that on a mobile device, then you have to pay that $4.99 a month. However, if you've got a laptop or something that you can put next to you, uh, then it's absolutely free, which is awesome. I, I, I wasn't aware of that, and then after I posted the episode, I was doing some digging on, on some more stuff of NASCAR Scanner, and I stumbled across it. I'm like, man, I can't believe this. So that's a really cool thing that that's available for free. So uh, for, for sure, take advantage of that. Uh, it's just, like I said, it makes listening to the race so much better and so much more fun because you're able to be kind of like in on the team strategy and know what's going on with your driver's race. What are they thinking of and how, what's their plan of attack for gaining track position and ultimately trying to get that win. So it's just a lot of fun to listen to. And, uh, if, if you haven't listened to it before, I really encourage you to do that. But let's get into this segment of just giving you some race information and these racing terms. And I've narrowed it down to 10 terms, the top 10 racing terms that you need to know when listening to NASCAR Scanner. Uh, ultimately, there's more, there's, there's more than 10, obviously. And you can do Google searches and find numerous articles on um, these terms that you need to know and... I'm not trying to be, make an exhaustive list. It's just kind of the typical things that you're probably going to hear uh, that would be helpful if you maybe had a little bit better understanding of uh, when you're listening to it. So, uh, and and let me just say this at the very outset, I am not a crew chief. I am not a race engineer. And so my knowledge of these things is uh, very limited. Uh, basically, uh, so where I've gained the understanding that I have has been just from obviously at the very basic level, just doing my own research and Googling stuff, uh, but also spent some time on iRacing. And iRacing is 
a really cool simulator that uh, takes a lot of these uh, uh, adjustments in the racing dynamics and uh, helps you kind of learn and experience that from home as best you can without actually sitting inside a car. So uh, a lot of the information that uh, that you hear drivers talk about is the same kind of things that you would have to figure out on iRacing. Um, and, and even though maybe you're not feeling it, it's obviously it's just a simulator. Um, the, the science behind it is still the same. And so you, you know, just did some learning from that as well. Uh, that helped me out, but I've got, I've broken it down into some, two, into some categories. Basically, uh, to start off with is handling some terms that drivers will use when referring to how their car is handling. And the, the two that you're going to hear is tighter or loose. Uh, the car's too tight, the car's too loose. Um, the, and it may, may hear the terms understeer and oversteer. So the term tight, uh, or understeer, those would be the, you know, same term, two, two different words meaning the same thing. Uh, basically just means that when the car is going into the turn, it doesn't want to turn. It wants to drive straight. Uh, and typically that would require the car to be going slower through the turn in order to maintain the line that the driver wants. Uh, it could require more braking, but uh, at the end of the day, it means slower lap times uh, just because the car doesn't want to turn. It's too tight. It's it's too wound up to where it doesn't want to turn when they, it comes time to, to turn the wheel, and uh, it just decreases their speed. Then you go to loose or oversteer, and that basically means that the back of the car wants to spin out from underneath the driver. Uh, it's unstable. you you have to be very careful with your throttle inputs because uh, if if you just goose it a little bit too much you know the back end could step out on you and that may be it you may be going around for a ride and not knowing what's going to happen so uh, you've got those two terms tight and loose and uh, each driver kind of has their own preference on which one's the best for them and uh, what do they like in a car? Do they like it? Some drivers like it a little bit more loose. Some maybe average, some maybe a little bit tighter. It's just kind of driver preference. Uh, but ultimately, the, they want that sweet spot for them. And so they have that relationship with the crew chief to be able to say, hey, it's too tight for me or it's too loose. And the crew chief has some things at their disposal uh, to uh, adjust the car, which gets us into the next category, and that is adjustments. And there's there's two kind of subcategories here, and it's pit stop adjustments, and then there's an adjustment that the driver can make. So let's talk about the pit stop adjustments. And the, f- the first thing that you'll see uh, is uh, your wedge adjustments. Basically, uh, during a pit stop, uh, uh, the crew will bring out a wrench uh, that's kind of looks like a a tire iron almost basically, but it goes into a shaft uh, in the rear windshield or the rear rear window, but it goes down and they can crank it left or right. And, and that's this wedge adjustment. Well, what is that doing? Um, and, and also too, like I said, at the beginning of the show, when they take a round out or they put a round in, that's what they're talking about. And what that is, is it's a, it's a screw that uh, is in connection with the springs of the, the rear suspension. And basically, when they adjust that, they're adjusting the compression of that rear spring, uh, ultimately making it, you know, if you tighten it or, you know, put rounds into it, uh, what they're doing is they're compressing the spring, making the spring stiffer, but all, and that will also lower 
the the ride height of the car a little bit. Uh, and, and that'll change the handling. If they take rounds out, they're decompressing the spring, making it a little bit softer, and then that'll raise the car just a little bit. And and, and, and like way, just an opposite way, it'll change the handling. And they've got a screw on both rear springs. So one on the left, one on the right. And so they can adjust whichever spring they want to, to be able to get the handling characteristics that they're trying to produce out of the car for the driver. Um, and, and part of that too is uh, it, it, it adjusts uh, the handling from the compression and, and how the car handles the load into a turn. It also uh, adjusts uh, how the weight is transferred from the back of the car to the front of the car when you go from acceleration to braking. Uh, and, and that's the part where I'm not a race engineer. I'm not a crew chief. And so I don't know all of the science behind that. And that was one thing that I never really nailed down in my head of how all does that work? What's the science behind that? But at the very basic level, that's what it is. They're, they're trying to make the car either tighter or looser for the driver. And, and two, you have different stages of a turn. So it may be, you know, tight whenever they're under braking, but then loose when they're trying to get on the throttle at the exit of the turn. Or it may be, you know, um, yeah, loose going into the turn and loose coming out of the turn, but tight in the very middle and tight in the center. You hear them talk about. And so there's different stages of a turn, you know, the, the entry, the midpoint, and the exit. And they each can have their own unique struggle. And with these wedge adjustments, they can try to work on that. And so that's uh, part of what that is. Another thing that they can do during a pit stop is change the air pressure in a tire. Uh, you probably saw this at Richmond. Uh, the tires, the pressure was so low, uh, the tires were squatting. And you could actually see the tire change shape from just uh, them trying to warm them up. And, uh, and when they would first fire off, and it's just because as these cars go under green, the, the tires generate heat, it builds up the air pressure, and so they, they don't start the tire with the air pressure that they want. They have to start it lower than where they want because over time that pressure builds up from the heat that's being built um, from, from uh, the heat that's being transferred into the rubber of the tire and expanding the air inside. So you've got to get that right balance there. And so a lower pressure usually means more grip, uh, more tire wear, a higher pressure, less grip, less tire wear. Well, what can the driver do? Well, the driver can adjust the brake bias, and that's basically a knob that's inside the car that adjusts how much of the brake pressure that's being applied is applied to the front compared to the back. And what that does is it adjusts the car balance under braking. Uh, if, if the car is a little bit too loose or a little bit too tight, they can adjust that knob and try to, it's kind of like a fine tune adjustment, so to speak, uh, being able to get the right balance that they want inside the car. Um, how about aerodynamics? We've well, got downforce, and that these are pretty basic that I'm guessing you probably know. You've got downforce. It's the aerodynamic pressure pushing down on the car from the top. But then you also have a, a vacuum of air that's created by the splitter and the diffuser in the back. There's another couple terms. The splitter's on the front, the diffuser's on the back, and it creates a vacuum to where it kind of sucks the car down as well, but all working together to create downforce. Now, in regards to aerodynamics, 
the the cars you'll hear the term dirty air and that's basically the air that's getting churned up behind a car and if a driver gets too close to that and in that dirty air it can actually mess up the handling of the car because the front splitter and the front the downforce that's generated on the front of the car is not as effective because they're not getting the proper airflow over it and as they would in clean air and so that dirty air, the turbulent air that's coming off of a car in front of another car, uh, can reduce the downforce from uh, for, uh, that, that, that a car behind would be getting. And what about parts? There's one part that we'll highlight that you've probably heard of, and that is the tow link. It keeps the wheel pointed in the right direction in regards to left and right. The toe of a tire is... Basically, if you took the car and we're looking at it from the top down, kind of like an aerial view, it's whether or not those the, the front tires are pointed left and right, and actually the rear tires too, because we have independent suspension now. Uh, each tire has its own deal. Uh, and the tow link is a weak part uh, on purpose. It's meant to break before other things break. But because of that, it's a common failure. And it's, it's common because you can just bump into a car or touch wheels maybe, or hit a wall and it, it it's just a weak spot and it can break and uh, a lot of times you see that if, if, a, if your car gets into a wreck and then they're kind of driving sideways or crabbing so to speak that's a tow link issue um, but uh, that that's probably the most common part failure that I've been seeing the last couple of years uh, is just tow link failures um, which again it's it's meant to break it's a weak thing it's a weak part it's meant to break but uh, nonetheless, uh, you don't want to see that happen for anybody. You want them to be able, every driver to be able to race. Um, but uh, that's, that's a part on the car that is probably talked about the most just because it breaks the most. So those are your top 10 things that if you're listening to NASCAR Scan or anything else, those are things that would be helpful for you to know uh, and be familiar with in order to understand what all is going on. I hope that is helpful for you uh, and it gives you a little bit better understanding of what's going on in your driver's race. Well, thank you so much for sticking around, listening to the show. Be sure to check us out on Instagram. Give us a follow there. And if you enjoyed the show, I uh, would really appreciate it if you had shared around with someone else that you know. Help the show grow a little bit. And I hope that you have a great weekend. Enjoy the race that's coming up at Martinsville. And we'll catch you at the next stage break.